If you've been with us, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, sad news is we've run out of verses. Uh, it's been so good, uh, but we are, uh, we are at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and as we draw, have drawn to the end, um, Jesus is really focusing, and he's saying, now, because of these things, this is what, is, this is what you need to do. And so he says a couple of weeks ago that there are two different roads you can choose from now. And there is a wide road that leads to destruction, and many find it. It's the default. It's the easiest thing. It's what, what everyone else is doing, but there's also a narrow road, and you, and you have to choose between these two roads. And Jesus is the door to that road, that narrow road, and few are, fa- far, are found on it. And those who are on that path and follow that path are on the way of the kingdom and will be forever with our Lord. And so Jesus is saying, get to the narrow road. And then the next week, we see that, the, the next few verses, we see that, that there are going to be those who are false prophets, who are, in many ways seem to be hanging out by the narrow road and trying to corrupt our minds and thinking, and that we oftentimes uh, give into that and we find ourselves no longer, uh, we, find, we find ourselves distracted in a different direction. And there are some who, who never enter in through the narrow gate because they think they think that they are on the path, but they have been fooled by false teachers. And then, then we saw last week that oftentimes the false teacher is ourself. That we have fooled ourselves. And last week we talked about a, a piñata, right? So you may have the outward appearance of a piñata, but if you have no candy inside, you're nothing, right? You're hollow, of no good use. And so, with that as the backdrop, Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount with these words. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell. And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Not Wayne Dwayne, 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 what's his name? Not Dwayne Johnson. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Today, uh, we're going to try and define these terms a little bit and understand them a little bit better. And so, uh, as we go through it, we're going to look at several things. We're going to look at the, the sandy foundation. What are sandy foundations? And we're going to actually see uh, some great examples of those from King Solomon. And then we're going to look at the, uh, what is the rock foundation that Jesus is talking about. And finally, we're going to talk about how to build upon that foundation. Sandy foundations. A foundation, when Jesus is talking here, is a thing that we built our life on. Built our life on is, is a thing that we have. Either we can verbalize, or maybe just kind of intuitively think that this is what life is about. This will bring me fulfillment. This is the 
the ground in which I'm going to do the rest of things in life. And so, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we have the best uh, surveyor that the world has ever seen. There, there's a man by the name of King Solomon, and Solomon, uh, in his encounter with God, uh, he asks for wisdom. So this is a man who is wise to begin with. He, is, he has been given a certain kind of wisdom that is far beyond maybe anybody who else who ever has existed, maybe even greater than Jordan Peterson. I know. <laughs> Crazy. But he's this uber-wise guy. But not only that, he also is the king of Israel in the most glorious days of Israel. They are at peace with the nations around them. He is a great trade partner. He has these great treaties. And so his, uh, Israel is extremely wealthy. It is the place that all the trade is going through in, in the Middle East. And so they are becoming very rich, and Solomon is very rich. So he has not only great wisdom, he also has authority. He has, uh, uh, he has great wealth. He has power position. There's a peace around him, and he is free to experiment with the greatest questions in life. And so he goes down this, this, this trail of trying to understand what is the, the sure foundation in which to build your life. And so in many ways, it seems like he goes down this very wide road to start off with. And so he indulged in all kinds of the enjoyments of life. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is going through each of these different things that he tried out to see, like, is this it? Is this the thing to build your life on? And so the first thing he says, he built his life on laughter and enjoyment. And so he would, he would find ways to humor himself. You could think, like, he was perennially, perennially in the comedy club. Like, this makes me happy. I like to laugh. And I want to say, I, I, I'm like this too. Like, I like watching little videos of like comedians doing their thing. And, and I, you know, you could just scroll, 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 scroll through them, right? If, if, he, if Solomon had a phone, that's what he would be doing. And so he entertained himself, and he had the most enjoyable people. He lived a life that was, at least for a season, which was kind of shallow, but it was fun right? And so he continued in this, this lifestyle of laughter because if you have a smile on, it must mean you're happy. But Solomon found out that's not the case. It didn't take too long before in Ecclesiastes 2.1 he says, it is madness. Funny, but madness. Wow. What a word for our culture today, right? The Netflix generation, right? The TikTok people. And, and, and we could just, we fill up time. You do it very long, and you'll come to the same conclusion. It's madness. Next, he said, all right, I'm going to not uh, hold back from myself any pleasure. And this is a dangerous place to be because when you have money and you have authority and you have uh, capacity, you can get in all kinds of trouble. Amen. Amen. 
And so what he did was he, he, uh, he had good and delightful meals. He had this great spread. If, if he was, he was an he was a, uh, old-timey foodie, right? Like he, he could have sumptuous meals and drink and enjoy them. And so he could party like it was 1999. And he took every advantage. There was nothing that could be held back from him. His bar tab could go on forever. And so he enjoyed those things. But at the end of that, he said, mm. many of you have been there before, right? You went down that lifestyle, you said, can't keep up with it, <laughs> right? It's, it's foolishness. There's nothing there. And then, then he decided, okay, I am going to uh, create beautiful places. I am going to have scenic homes. He had pools and gardens and parks. He bought that from Legends Real Estate. <laughs> they were shown by the Mighty Brad Beavers, all the different... And he had the nicest estate possible, and he had all the workers that could work it. He, he had a place, right? A delightful place where he could enjoy his life and have certain kind of stature among people. When they came and visited, they would see like he had a place like none other. But at the end of it, he said, it's not satisfying. Like it doesn't. Then he decided to... Uh, Accumulate beautiful things, gold and silver, those things that are flashy. At the end of that, he said, that's not it. And then, then he began to accumulate herds and flocks. In Texas, he would have been the king ranch. And depending on your generation, it would have either been Bonanza, Dallas, or Yellowstone. I don't know. One, I think everybody understands what I'm saying here. This kind of oversized Texas kind of living. That's what he had. But at the end of it, it's not satisfying. He had a harem of women who could enjoy their company every day. But at the end of it, it was vanity. Drinking, drugging, money. He's great accumulating things, but at the end, in Ecclesiastes 5.10, he says this, he, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Oh, this is incredible. Listen to this. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Isn't that crazy? Nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When good when good increases, when good increase, they increase who eat them. <laughs> and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? You, you see, the more we get, the more we spend. Have you noticed that? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer when, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. He was good at making money, but money did not satisfy him. So, 
What are you building your life on? That's what Jesus is asking. What are you building your life on? Have we hit you yet? Then he says, then he tried work. And I know especially for us men, like work is something, right? Succeeding, leading others, having respect, seeing something made of your efforts. And there's some kind of pride in us even in our consuming work. You know what I'm talking about? Like you feel like, well, I'm really engaged. I'm really doing something here. I'm spending all these hours and this energy. And so you kind of boast around the other guys about what you've done. Oh, I worked 80 hours last week. Great accomplishment. Leads to maybe some more money. But some esteem. Now that's highly valued. So... Solomon put in his 90 hours a week. And at the end, he was just tired. <laughs> now Jesus mentions this next thing that, that Solomon tried. Solomon talked about being then overly religious and righteous. Following the, the letter of the law. I'm not talking about just being obedient. I'm saying Obeying the letter of the law but missing the Spirit. Is this not what Jesus has been speaking against all through the Sermon on the Mount? There are religious kind of people who are faithful in keeping the law to a T, but they miss the Spirit of the law. So he tried that for a while. Man, his wife must have thought he was crazy. Overly religious, but a blind guide. And after he did that for a while, he found out it was empty. And then, as you read it, if you spend much time in Ecclesiastes, there is the, there's a French word, ennui. There is this kind of listlessness that he has as he's going through this, this like dissatisfaction from uh, you know, lacking in any excitement. He just kind of like... And then I tried this, it didn't work, and tried this. And so this and a, 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 a bottle of, of gin will make you pretty depressed if you read through it. Finally, he says, wisdom. My question that I think Jesus is asking us right now is, what is your life built on? He even tried wisdom to, to be clever. I mean, to consider all these things. You know, I think that as we, if we are like people who are very reflective like that, and we are considering all these different philosophies in a way, we then believe because we are considering them that somehow we have succeeded, that that is the answer. And so we listen to great speakers, right? We, we have certain podcasts, we read certain books, and we feel like because I am pursuing wisdom, then I am all right, right? I am wise, but that doesn't make us wise. Pursuing wisdom doesn't make us wise. And so our friend Solomon says, I tried that, and I was better than anybody else at it. And at the end, it was vanity. Vanity. 
nothing. It was smoke. It was grasping at nothing. What is your life built on? You know, when Jesus is sharing these last few words on the Sermon on the Mount, he is not allowing you and I to take faith in him, to take the kingdom life and put it in a compartment as a part of our life. What he's saying is, if you're going to be a follower after me, you're going to build your house on the foundation, and that has to be the foundation, not a little room. Sometimes we have little rooms, right? Like, oh yeah, I've got my, my Jesus thing, I'm pro-Jesus, you know? But our life is not built on the rock. Our second point is the, the rock foundation. We're lear, lear, learning about the rock foundation, the, the simple life of the kingdom of God. At the end of Solomon's quest for what is the foundation, what is the true foundation, he goes over so many uh, plots of ground that are just sandy. And he comes at the end and he says this. He says, uh, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. <laughs> simple, right? Just do what God says. It's simple, but not easy, right? Build your life on the rock. The storms come, and those who build their house upon the rock, they, they'll last. There was a, a lady, I, I used to be over the housing authority in my early days when I was in my 20s, and uh, we, did a, we had a, a senior ladies Bible study, and then I get to go visit these ladies in their different homes. And so there's one lady, uh, and uh, she, was, uh, she was much older, and she was in just poor health. And so she didn't even, she only made about half of the meetings, but I would sit in with her, and her life was a mess. She didn't have hardly any money. Uh, she was just living from paycheck to paycheck. Uh, her son was just a cad. I mean, he was just—he he just was misbehaving in jail with women, uh, not taking care of her, and and it was she just lived in a miserable situation. But when I walked in the door, she would be singing the praises of Jesus as I walked through the threshold and as I walked out. And you wonder, how, what's going on here? It's because her life was built on this sure foundation of Jesus Christ. So although her life was not easy, she would have to go into to Houston and get, to go to doctor's appointments, and she'd often have to take like public transportation, and she already had anxiety, and, she, and her heart was bad. And so it would take her five days to recover after she went into, just to drive into Houston. And so she would be worn out. But even when she was tired, she was praising the Lord. He was her strength and her hope. It was simple. She just followed him. So when the, the wind blew, when the waves knocked up against her building, it stood. 
Yesterday I went to a funeral of a lady who I've known for so long, and her, her boys, it's the same, uh, have had so many problems, but she was so faithful. There were church member after church member who came up and spoke about how in her sickness, when, when, when she, couldn't, she couldn't even, bear, she could barely walk, she couldn't even make it up to the, to, to, to the podium to, to sing in the choir, and so she would just sing in the back like this. You could just see her rocking back and forth. And, and she would spend time with the pastor, and she would uh, eat meals with friends, and the, the discussion was always about her Savior and how she was caring and praying for these boys, even though they seemed to have wandered off. Sure, foundation. Oh, but I know that I've also walked around and sat across from uh, many an older lady in the housing authority whose life had had the similar storms and struggles. And they just have a sour bitterness about them. Build your life on the rock. Just living out what God has told us to be not just hearers, but doers of the word. Finally, Jesus tells us to, to build up on a foundation. You see, there was a similar situation that happened to both of these folks, right? There is one guy who built this house on a rock. Good job. There's another guy who built it on the, on the sand. But both of, them are going, both of them experienced all kinds of trouble, didn't they? So brothers and sisters, you need to know this, right? All of us are going to have some real storms come in our life. If you are immune from that, then good for you. Everybody else is mad at you, no, but. But I don't know anybody yet who hasn't had these, who's over 15 years old. We, we all are going to have the storms. And so you can look and see someone's life as the storm comes, what happens to them. And I, I get to... I get to sit with many of you and, and people in the community, and I get to see what happens when the storm comes. There, there are some in the midst of that who are barely holding on, but they still are on the rock, and it is their only hope and their salvation, and they are able to survive. It's not easy. It's miserable. But it's the same storms that hits them no matter what. And yet, there's a light inside of them. There is a hope inside of them. And they continually need to be refreshed and reminded of that hope. That's why we, we come here and we sing together. Wasn't that beautiful just a minute ago? Like, we get to sing to each other. It's something different when those ladies started singing at us, right, men? You're like, oh, my gosh. Like, that helped my faith. Did it help your faith? To hear the, ladies, I hope the same thing. I hope we didn't croak too much for you, but... We get to encourage each other like, yeah, I've been through this too. I, I, I've also had the storms, but our God is faithful. faithful. Building on the foundation. If you're going to build then on this foundation, it's going to require some organizing in your life. And here's the foundation. Here, here is the truth from which we stand. We are eternally condemned because we are willfully 
and continually, and sometimes even, it seems, unwillingly sinning. We are rebel to the, uh, rebel to the things of God, you and me. It, will, it is bad, and it will end bad for us. That's the story. But God, in His great grace, has left those who were fighting against him, not to by themselves, but he has come to them. He's come to you and me, and he's taken those who were fighting against the kingdom, either passively or actively doing our own things, not recognizing God on his throne, and he plucks us out of the enemy guard, and he makes us his own. He redeems us so that we're good for something. He saves us. And our faith, uh, our faith is placed in His good work done on the cross to pay for our sins. And so we pledged our lives to Him, to His kingdom. We build our lives on His purposes and His prerogatives. And this is what, it, we, this is what we are to look like. And, and then we, we, we look at these are the things we are constantly called back to. Jesus isn't just a compartment of our life, but He is the foundation so how do you build on that foundation? Here's some ideas. When you are looking for direction, like what, where are we going from here? Where am I going with my life? What am I hoping for? Make that informed by the paradigm of this foundation, that you were saved for a purpose for him and for his kingdom. So, young people, I know uh, many of y'all are getting to that, cl- uh, that age, you're 17, 18 years old, and you're thinking about, what am I going to do next? You have your college students here, 18, 19, 20 year old, what am I going to do next? We have so, uh, a lot of our adults who are 25 to 45 going, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do with my life, right? When am I going to grow up? What's the next thing? What? Uh, and so we begin to pray, Lord, Show me, am I supposed to go to this school or this school or this job or that job or this man or this man or this woman or this woman? And we're trying to understand, who, what is it? I, I want a big, like, sign, right? Well, I think the Lord leads us like that. But first of all, you have to ask, is this part of where this building's going? Is this part of fulfilling his kingdom? Or is this a shifting sand? Am I asking these questions? Am I asking which job am I going to get that makes me the most money? That's like the highest priority. Or which one will make me look better? Or which one, which, uh, uh, which house do I move into? Is it because I want to use it for entertaining for the kingdom? Or is it because I want to look good before my friends, you know? And so we... We need to adjust our priorities upon the paradigm that Jesus Christ has called us out of darkness into light, and now we're to be shining that light into this world. And so, as you become, begin to make major decisions, start from that paradigm. Look at your calendar, look at your annual calendar, and adjust it according to this paradigm. What are the things that are, are most important for you? given that you built your house on this foundation. Look at your daily schedule. How should your daily life be in light of this as a foundation? I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I'm a, 
I like checking my to-do list. I mean, not just checking it, but like checking on my to-do list. It might feel like a great satisfaction in that. And, and what happens is, as I get so caught up on my to-do list, I forget the to-be list. You know what I mean? As you think about your financial goals, what you're going to be spending, your time and energy, it, you may be one who is like, when you're driving and there's nothing else to think about, all you can think about is how I'm going to make a million dollars. Be careful. What does your work look like in light of the gospel? Is it to get ahead or is it to get the attaboys, to work up the ladder? Or is it to minister to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to be faithful in service, to honor God through your work, to see something accomplished and created? Not putting your hope and stock and money and accomplishments. Because we learn those are vanity. Build your life on the rock. Build your life on the rock. So young people, we've been talking about you a lot today. So be aware. This is the time. Begin your foundation strong. Begin growing this, uh, building this house in such a way that is honoring God. And, and don't be like some of, some of us who, who, have, who, who were so long building it on sand. Like, this is the better life. This is the hopeful life. For those who are, who are older, you, you, you spent some time. And the good news is our Lord has come to save us, Right? He, he brings us to us not to beat us down because He loves us. And so you may have spent a lifetime building on sand and day you're going, ugh. But the good news is not too late. Today is the day of salvation. Build your life on the rock. What does the, the rock look like? What does it look like to be conformed to His image? I would, I would encourage you, lastly, just to review the Beatitudes daily. Read through these, at least for a season, until they're so ingrained in your thoughts that it becomes second nature to you. And here they are. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Brothers and sisters, let us build our house 